of First Peter. We started with Michael uh, two weeks ago, and then last week Brad was with us sharing the word, and today we're continuing on with that. And, you know, many of us have watched around the country this past week uh, with heartache. And it, in the past few days, we've seen people expressing just their desire for justice, desire for peace in different ways. Some people have expressed that peacefully. Yesterday we saw a lot of, of people that were expressing that in ways that weren't very peaceful. And even last night you may have seen on the news in, in Oklahoma City that, that there were people expressing that again and again in both ways. And I've had conversations online with people as we're all seeing what's going on surrounding the leading events up to the death of George Floyd. And, and now we're wondering, what can we do? What can I do to help make a change? What can the church do to help change things? And, you know, today we're going to continue on looking at Peter's letter to the exiles. And we see that even though Peter is addressing an audience that's in the first century, who are scattered throughout many different cities and many areas and different cultures, that even though that's different, that today our mission is the same as it was to those that Peter addresses. Our mission is the same. We face the same task. And we see this key truth today in this passage, that Christ followers are exiles that carry the presence of God into a lost world that needs the gospel, that needs good news. That was true for the people that Peter addresses in this letter, and it's true as the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. So we're going to continue on looking in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and see how this can encourage us today to show us as Christ followers, as the church, how we can make a change today. Let's read this together. Again, grab your Bible with me. Read along. 1 Peter chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and, and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So we read this today, and we're going to focus on the presence of God. Because again, the key truth of this that we see today is that Christ followers are exiles that are called to carry the presence of God into a lost world that needs the gospel. So we're going to look at the presence of God in this passage. And the first thing that we see is that the presence of God leads us to grow. Look at these first few verses that Peter talks about here. Now, remember last week in, in, in the passage and when Brad was preaching, Peter focused on a new life in Christ. He's reminding the exiles of their new life that God has brought them through Christ, through the word of God. 
through the imperishable word of God. Now they have a new life. They've been born again. And then Peter starts this passage with the word so. And so is very important. It's a conjunction, especially in the Greek. It's a way to connect thoughts together. It's almost like what you would say today, so what? And so Peter is describing to them, and the Holy Spirit is speaking through Peter about this new life, being born again through the word of God. And then he says, so. So what's important about that? So what now? And then Peter explains this. He says to put away, put away all malice, put away all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and slander. He's saying now that you have a new life, now you've been born again, put the old life away. It's time to be different. And not just different, but it's time to be distinct. And Peter is shaping this idea for the exiles, those that read this, and for us today, that we are to be distinct. That we are to live in such a way that reflects the new life that we have in Christ. And you see these things, this list that he puts forth. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. We could spend some time going through that list and describing each of those. But you could also open up your computer, open up your phone, look on the TV, and you see these things at work in the world today. It's the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. That this is the way that, that the world lives because of sin. And what Peter is saying is, your new life, you've been born again through the word of God. Now it's time to put those things away. It's time to grow into what God has called you to be. It's time to be different so that people can see Christ in you. In fact, when Peter gives this instruction to put away, then he tells them how to do that. And he says, he goes on to say, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that it, but you may grow up into your salvation. He makes this analogy here that uh, as infants long for the milk from their mother, that, that Christ followers would in the same way long for the word of God, long for the presence of God to help them to grow. Everything a child needs to grow in infancy comes from the mother. And Peter is saying, in the, in the same way, we are to long for everything that we need coming from the Lord so that we can grow, so that we can become what he's saying here, to put away these things and become different, become distinct. He's saying to long for that. But he also makes this aside. He, he makes this pause. He says, if indeed you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Now, he may be speaking to, to those that are in the community hearing this letter who are a part, of the, a part of the community of believers, but they're not in a relationship with God yet. But he also is speaking to those that have experienced the real relationship with God. And he's saying, you know what it means to experience the presence of God. You know how good it is. And how much you should long for that. And how you shouldn't desire anything else. And so through this, we see as infants long for the nourishment of milk to help them grow, we must long for the presence of God in our lives to help us grow. That's what we see today. And it reminds me of a time with our first child, LSR, our oldest child, just a few months after she was born. Uh, my wife, Courtney, left the house just for a little bit to go run some errands, and Ellis was asleep, and I was there with her, and she woke up. And when she woke up, she was hungry. 
And when she was hungry, she let me know about it. And I really couldn't do anything to help her. I tried everything I could. I, I walked her around the house. I rocked her a little bit. I sang to her. That, that for some reason, made her cry even more. But I'm not really sure why. But uh, I, I, I even tried giving her a pacifier. And that didn't work. In fact, she spit it out and it made her cry even more. None of our girls liked pacifiers. And it just seemed to make things worse. But even I had some, um, some of milk from mom that I was trying to give to her and she didn't want that either. In fact, that made her so upset that she cried herself to sleep. And I was just like, I mean, a couple months into being a new dad and I just failed. I could not provide what my daughter wanted, what she longed for. As believers in Christ, we must long for the presence of God even more than that. We must, when we're away from that, like be broken, be so, we need this so much. That's what Peter is trying to push the exiles to, push the church to long for God, his presence, so that they can grow. And yet, we often, what, what do we do? We pacify ourselves with lesser things, trying to make, trying to fill that gap. We must long for the presence of God so we can grow. We see that the presence of God leads us to grow, but also we see in this passage that the presence of God leads us to go. We're looking, we're looking in verses 4 through 6 again. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now notice Peter continues on, and he uses this metaphor with the Christ followers as living stones. He doesn't focus on physical buildings. He doesn't tell them, you know, go build a church or go build a building that you can meet in. He, he doesn't put the focus there. He puts the focus on living stones, on the fact that they are the spiritual house of God. You know, if you look back in the Old Testament and in Jewish history, the temple of God was very, very important. It was a symbol of God dwelling among his people. And what God's desire was through that is that his people would go out from there into the world and take his presence into the world. But instead, it became a symbol of the nation and they turned inward instead of going outward. In fact, by the time of Jesus in the Gospels, we see in Mark 11 that there's a time when Jesus is in Jerusalem, comes to the temple, and he notices that the people there, um, the Jewish people there, have set up this marketplace in the Gentile court, a place where people that, that weren't Jews could come and worship in the temple. And they've set it up in such a way that people who aren't Jewish, the Gentiles, can't come in to worship. They're, they're, they're blocked by these people selling things. And so Jesus then starts clearing things out. And in fact, he shuts down the temple because he's so upset. And that's in Mark 11. And just a little bit after that, we see in Mark 13, the very first verse in Mark 13, the disciples and Jesus are walking away. And they say, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. They're marveling at the beauty of the temple. But then the next, right after that, Jesus says this, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. 
And Jesus knows the truth. That it's not, it's not about the physical building. But he knows that the people of God will be the temple of God. That they will carry the presence of God into the world. And so as Peter says here, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. And what Peter is saying here is that you're getting ready to go. You are carrying the presence of God with you. And we must recognize and embrace that identity. We must embrace the fact that we are exiles carrying the presence of God wherever we go. Far outside the walls of our church, of wherever we meet to worship, of our houses, we carry the presence of God wherever we go. I mean, have you ever heard that phrase that the church is not a building? It's a people? Well, if the two months that we've just gone through together have not illustrated that perfectly, I don't know what else could. Because we have not been able to be here in our building to worship. We have been the church as a people, connected through, thankfully we're in a, we're in a day and age where we can connect through technology, but that has been the truth, that we have been the people of God, that the presence of God, we've carried that with us, that we haven't been here to meet. Because the building, although it is great, it is something that is a wonderful tool that we have to meet together in worship, to organize and equip one another so that we can go out and minister. The call of God. And again, the key truth that we see here is that we are called as exiles in the world, people who aren't living in their permanent home, who are outside of their real home. We are called to carry the presence of God out wherever we go outside of these walls. So the presence of God leads us to grow. It also, the presence of God leads us to go. And finally, we see in this passage that the presence of God leads us to glow. Now, in verses 7 and 8, as Peter is continuing on in this section, we see that he, he notices here that he's quoting some Old Testament scriptures that explain the role of Jesus as the cornerstone that the spiritual house would be built upon. And he's saying that just as Jesus experienced um, this reaction where, where people believed in him but some people rejected him, that people will notice as we go out, that people will notice one way or the other, whether they believe or not, when we are the spiritual stones of the house of God, when we carry the presence of God, that people will notice. And he says it here in verse 7, So the honor is for you who believe but for those who do not believe. And then he goes to explain about how some people will reject the gospel, will reject the good news. But we also see in other parts of the scripture passages that relate to this. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 18, Paul makes a wonderful challenge to the church in Corinth that relates to this. And if, if you turn there with me together, we're going to read here what Paul says to them. And Paul says to them this. He says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. 
because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and when the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And here's the kicker. When we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Now what Paul is doing, he's referencing Moses in chapter 34 of Exodus. Whenever Moses would go in the tabernacle, he would go into the presence of God and spend time in the presence of the Lord. And when he came out... His face would glow. His face would be so radiant that people would see it and they would literally be afraid. And Moses had to wear this veil over his face to cover up the glory of the Lord radiating off of him just so people wouldn't be scared. And what Paul is saying here to connect these thoughts together and what Peter is challenging in his letter as well is that the the radiance of the presence of God glows from us. We don't hide that behind a veil. We allow God's presence to glow from us so that when we grow and then we go, then God's glory, His presence, it glows from us. People see it. Now, don't miss this, though. The key to all this is spending time in the presence of God. Moses didn't glow just because he knew about God. And Paul isn't saying that now that that people know who Jesus is, now they glow. And Peter isn't saying that now you have a new life, now you're glowing. He's saying that now it's time, as we spend time in the presence of God, that helps us, that leads us to glow. We must spend time in the presence of God. We must spend time with Him. And that's so important when we spend time with Him and we spend time in worship of Him. And that means both corporately when we're together, it also means personally. We have to spend time with the Lord. Things like prayer and Bible study, meditating on the truth of God, praising God, serving God, sharing about Him. Those are ways that we spend time with Him. Ways that we spend time in the presence of God. It's so important that we do that. Because that is what causes us to glow. It's what causes us people to notice Christ through us. It's what causes us to help make a real change in the world. It's the presence of God. There are things that we could try, things that we could do, but without the presence of God, nothing will really change. And so we've seen in this passage today that the presence of God leads us to grow. The presence of God also leads us to go. And the presence of God leads us to glow so that people see. And through all of this, we see, and if we come to conclude that the presence of God leads others to know. And we come back to our key truth, that Christ followers are exiles that carry the presence of God into a lost world that needs the gospel. Today, if you look at the world and we think, what can we do? How can, we, how can we help? What, what can I do to make a change? It starts with you being in the presence of God. Because the world needs the gospel. 
But it won't happen until we start with God and we carry God with us. He is the one who can change the hearts of people. He is the one. The Holy Spirit is the agent of change in our world today. And it starts with this. So we have two ways to respond this morning. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. And sing about Christ moving through us. Not our own power, but Christ in me. And there's two ways to respond. There's, there's two groups of people that should respond today. And first, those who are Christ followers. Though you have a relationship with Jesus. You've committed your life to following Him. You believe He's the Son of God. You put your faith in what He's done on the cross and not your own works. If you're wanting to make a real change... If you want to see a real change in you, in your family, and in the people that you interact with, through what you say and what you do, it starts with spending time in the presence of God. When we carry the presence of God to others, we have more than just a conversation. It's more than just doing something nice for someone else. It's more than just spending time with our neighbor or our friends. It's carrying the presence of God into someone else's life. But it won't happen until we start and spend time in his presence on our own first. And then we carry it out to the world. Secondly, maybe you're like what Peter said. You, you're around God. You know about God. You maybe, maybe you even go to church, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's not real. It's not authentic. Today, your response is to taste and see that the Lord is good. He will change your life. The presence of God will change your life. But it's not something you do. It's your faith and belief in what Jesus has done for you. So we're going to sing Worship the Lord Through Song again. I'm going to come back at the end and, and, and end our time together. But as we sing, consider how the Holy Spirit is asking you to respond. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for your word. And thank you for your presence. As we come into your presence right now, lead us, challenge us, guide us to grow, to go and to glow for you so that others will know. We thank you for your spirit in your name. Amen.